Well, our opening slide says to read verses 14 and 15. I think we'll just go ahead and go down to verse 18 to round out all the background context of the thought we'll consider tonight. So Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14, reading down to the end of the chapter there. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself, that being Jesus, likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore in all things he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. And that's where we'll pause and bow our heads together and ask the Lord to bless our lesson tonight. Heavenly Father, we're grateful, Father, for this time of fellowship. Grateful, Lord, for what brings us, or who, rather, brings us together, and that's Jesus. Father, I'm grateful for this common ground, this one that is dear to each one of us. Father, and I'm grateful, Lord, that we are dear to Him and you as well, Lord. Help us, Father, to draw nearer to you by this word and by the instruction that comes through it. Thank you for it, Father. Strengthen us in it and give us joy, I pray, by it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Uh, Just a brief look tonight. I trust it will be brief. Just a kind of a brief and broad strokes look at a struggle for many children of God. Um, It speaks to children of God here. We can understand that it's speaking to the children of God because we can look at verse 13 to start with when it says, Here am I I and the children whom God has given me. I don't know why that says Hebrews 2.15. Well, that's the next one, though. Uh, It is speaking to the children, children of God, those who have partaken of flesh and blood with Jesus, we understand, as we have. And specifically, we see here in verse 15, Those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Uh, What is this fear of death that holds individuals in particular? In particular, um, children of God that hold them in bondage. Now, firstly, understand this isn't speaking necessarily uh, of the fear of dying. You'll see that that's not the term that's there. It doesn't say... A fear of dying that keeps these ones. All their lifetime they were subject to bondage through fear of dying. It says the fear of death. It's a different term in the Greek. Uh, this is something more. We understand the fear of the pain of death. We understand the fear of the sadness and the trauma and all of the peripheral things that go uh, that are involved there. All the ripple effects and the well, the just the process of dying in and of itself can be something rather fearsome. Um, the focus here is more overarching than just merely that act of dying. Uh, It's also doesn't just refer to eternal death. It doesn't refer to um, what those who aren't saved have awaiting them. Uh, We understand Luke chapter 1 verse 79, Zacharias, the father of John the baptizer said here, he said, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, Jesus is the provision for that. To guide our feet into the way of peace, we understand that Jesus did come to be the light to those ones who sit in the shadow of death. But Hebrews 2 speaks to those ones who have escaped that penalty. Children given to Jesus, who then, after they have 
have that penalty of death put aside from them, continue to be held hostage by the fear of death. The fear of it. So what is the fear of death that holds these individuals? These ones who should know, should know what salvation is and that eternal death is not ours. What is that fear that holds them in bondage? I believe what it speaks to here uh, is the fear of what death brings. And that's an end to this life, this life of experience. I think that it's a fear of losing this life, this present experience that we have access, you might say, to this world uh, that death is indeed the end of. Death does bring an end to this, an end to our relationships here uh, as we know them naturally. It brings an end to our ambitions. It brings an end to our purposes here, naturally speaking. Uh, You know, that term FOMO that we say from time to time, there's a fear of missing out on opportunity, a fear of missing out on, on seeing grandkids, a fear of missing out on wealth or enjoying your wealth, a fear of missing out on the potential of what this life can still hold for us, fear of missing out on family, of just doing things. Not being able to see to fruition those hopes that we had uh, for this life or in this life. Death is the end of those things, we understand. The ending of this life, regardless of how it comes, means an end to the things that we know and are familiar with day by day by day. Things that we can enjoy, things that we hope to enjoy, all of those things. We understand that. And these ones here that are kept in bondage are not enjoying the freedom That is given to them by being in Christ. Now this lesson isn't just about death. As a matter of fact, I think a number of times here recently we've talked about the freedom that we have to welcome death. As a matter of fact, when the Lord deems that it's time for that. But specifically, it's the freedom that we find in Jesus here. That's what I'm speaking of and how he has presented and what he has presented to us. In his own life, in his own testimony, in his word. Why we aren't to be held captive, taken hostage by a fear of the end of this life as we know it. Um, we need not be in bondage and because there is freedom that's found in the Lord Jesus. Now, in Galatians, we understand uh, in Hebrews it says, It is appointed to men to die once. After this, the judgment. There are no further family get-togethers. There are no further pleasures to be taken part of when we leave this life. Uh, but we need not well we need not necessarily weep over it. We have freedom in the Lord. Now Galatians, Galatians chapter five. It's a different context than just death. Uh, if you were here for our lengthy Galatians study, you will recall that Galatians speaks to those ones who wanted to put themselves under the burden of the law of Moses again, under the burden of those things of the old covenant that had been put aside. But the statement that, that Paul makes here in Galatians five one Well, it carries a number of different applications, doesn't it? When it says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, not just from the law of Moses, but free from a number of things. Free from sin, certainly. Free from the penalty of sin. Free from those things. Free also from the fear of the end of this life. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again in a yoke of bondage. Not just the law, but a yoke of bondage... To the trappings of this life and this world. John 8.32, if you'll recall, we had it in Rinker Road, a big archway there above the, above the platform there. And you shall know the truth. And the truth, who is the way, the truth, and the life but Jesus? Jesus shall make you free. There's freedom in knowing Christ. Freedom from a lot of different things that would shackle us and bond us uh, in, in traps and snares. and Well, in the things that they're speaking about here in Hebrews. 
There's freedom found in knowing the Lord Jesus and that this life is not all that we have to take joy in. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 19, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we have all men most pitiable or miserable in the King James Version. Uh, this life is not all that it's well, that all that we live for. Now, it's a means to an end, to be sure. And we've been given to live once as well as die once. We've been given this place where there are no mulligans, there are no do-overs once it's over with. But this life here is not where we find the pinnacle and the ultimate of our joy. That's something for us to find afterward. And Jesus took steps to express that to us, to demonstrate that to us. As Hebrews says here, the joyful one, the free in Christ that take joy in being free in Christ, understand this truth, that this life is a means to an end. That it is a front to back, well, it's something to be done with. Something that is to be worked with, and that's that. It's for that purpose. It has an intent. Uh, They get it. They get that all this heaven talk that we consider, all this hereafter talk, all this glory talk that we consider has merit. They get that wiping away every tear isn't just a metaphor, that it's something joyful that will take place. They get that no more death, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more crying, that this isn't just something pie in the sky or poetic or anything like that, that this is reality. The people who, who don't allow themselves to be held bond, in bondage to this life as being the living end for us, uh, they get this. They understand this. They, they put faith into this truth. And they don't live in fear of losing all of this. Uh, that's who we're speaking of here. And Jesus took steps. He took steps to demonstrate to us the truth of this so that we might see it in him. Uh, back in our opening passage there in verse 17 and 18, it goes on expressed there, Therefore in all things he had to be made like his brethren, made flesh and blood, emptied as we consider so often at this time of this year, put into the form of man, starting out very small and living a life. Like we do, albeit not a very long one when you get down to the, uh, the years. That he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. To make propitiation to be that sacrifice for us for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered, being tested, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Who are also tested, likewise tested as he was. Now let me explain what this is saying here. What example he's giving to us. What this means, those steps that he made to us to demonstrate to us and prove that we need not be fearful of the end of this life. He wasn't overwhelmed by sin, we understand. Jesus wasn't. All these things he was tested in, yet he sinned not. He didn't partake of the garbage that plagues all of us, that that our flesh would desire. Uh, All of God's people have that flesh nature. Jesus didn't lose himself to all the trouble and the trauma and the, well, the burdens of carrying all of those things and the trappings that we tend to have a desire for. Jesus didn't fall prey to that. But each one of those things that test us and tempt us were held right under his nose. They were offered to him. They were put underneath his nose for him to be front and center witness to those things you understand he went in the wilderness and satan tested him and offered him all these great things all of these all these things that our own flesh would desire and want and he didn't partake of those things how come well because jesus believed that there was something better 
he believed in his heavenly home. He believed in his heavenly father. He believed that anything that was offered to him in this life wasn't worth comparing to what he knew was awaiting him in glory. And he knew that his work here was in order to win us, to save us, to offer us to be in that place with him. He exercised his own freedom to reject Satan, to reject the world and the offerings of those trappings that we have such a difficult time saying no to. He said no to. And he demonstrated that for us because he knew what awaited him was better. I think sometimes it comes down to just being that simple. Jesus said, well, I know what's awaiting and I see firsthand what's here. And between the two, (laughs) I'll take this every single time. And so we see the Son of God living his life, and we should recognize this one who has seen both sides, as it were, who understood both sides, both up there and here, and he says, listen, it's not worth giving any attention to as far as commitment and and investment into it for natural provision or spiritual provision. It's not worth any of it. He's seen both sides and he says, this is what I did. I was made like you, made like my brethren. I can be merciful and faithful because I know what you're going through. But I also recognize that it's much, much, much better. And I will not be held bondage to the foulness that is this natural world, to Satan and the things that he offers. I won't do it. And we should take his word for it, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we look at the Son of God and say, oh, I don't necessarily... I'm not perfect as he is, but he's perfecting me. He's promised to empower me and enable me, lead me and guide me and strengthen me to make the decisions. And he is awaiting me to meet him. Shouldn't I take his example and certainly not be held in bondage, slavery to this world and the things that it offers? I need not fear the end of this life. It does not hold the ultimate in joy for me. It holds the means by which I can win the ultimate in joy for me. And that's the Lord Jesus and that closest place to him. I need to keep it in the perspective of it being solely that. I have joys, don't get me wrong. I love my friends, I love my family. I love my work, I love people, I love the vacations, I love all of those things. But those are just extra superfluous things that the Lord allows to be in my life. But I should not let it trap me or make it be a slavery, a bondage to this world as being the sole source of my joy. That's Jesus. May that be so, child of God. Because he gave us the reason to understand why it should be.